0: Hello, Nathan Foster here, and welcome once again to my favorite time of the week, the Renovare Weekly Podcast. My guest this week is Josh Banner. I had a great conversation with Josh about his work in a local prison where he teaches contemplative prayer and does training with prisoners for them to be spiritual directors. I don't think I've ever heard anyone offer such respect and love for the people he serves. Really quite beautiful. Josh is uh, he's an amazing musician. He's been a worship pastor and discipleship pastor, also does adjunct teaching at Hope College. And on top of that, he's a part-time stay-at-home dad. He's the host and creator of the Invitation podcast. He's also married to the award-winning poet Susanna Childress. Enjoy. Josh. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Man, I'm glad I get to talk with you today. This is fun. Hey, you, you do something kind of unusual. You work in a prison, mm-hmm. training men to become spiritual directors, yes? Yeah. <laughs> However did you uh, end up doing this?
1: So my background is uh, in the worship arts. I worked at Hope College uh, for eight years as the minister of music and art and I was an okay worship leader during that time. Um, <laughs> they they kept me on staff, but I think what I was really good at was identifying the the, uh, the character and the gifting of the college students there, and preparing them to lead worship. And so I have all these instincts of of training people and um, looking at them as a, a kind of a a gift that the Spirit gives the church, and how can we open that up? And so. That was a uh, part of that worship arts journey. And as the spirit led me into spiritual direction, I realized I had the same impulse to take spiritual direction into tr- training people mm-hmm. and uh, thinking about how do we make this very practical. And um, so my friend Joseph Bird had been working in a prison and he told me one Sunday, I, I think some of the prisoners that he'd been with for at that point, uh, almost three years, he said, I think some of them are spiritual directors and they need to get trained. And I thought, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go hang out with Joseph and be a part of this in the prison. And, um, so we did, um, a two year mini practicum in the prison Mm -hmm. as Joseph was really leading it. He's a, um, a wonderful spiritual director, friend, teacher, mentor, big brother. And so I shadowed him and helped facilitate that. And now that has really taken over my heart. It's become the thing now for me, Mm -hmm. being with with these uh, prisoners in in contemplative prayer and how to bring peace into their sense of um, their story and their brokenness and their redemption as well.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you find happening in your work there?
1: You know, uh, it's interesting I, I've been having trouble figuring out how to describe this and I'm glad you're calling it work <laughs> or <laughs> a, a practice. You know, there is a kind of labor to it, but but a lot of people would want to talk about this first as a prison ministry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I, I've been, been toying with the language of, of contemplative prayer outreach, mm-hmm. but really these men have become my friends. Mm-hmm. And I would say that out of all of my years reading and studying about what the church can and should be, and then being a part of several different types of local churches and ministries, campus ministries, teaching theology and ministry classes at the college level, what I'm finding is that these men are my favorite, most holy sense of, of family and of the church mm. uh, Uh, I've been reading a lot about 12-step programs right now
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and uh, what I've witnessed about people who are in 12-step and recovery uh, and then these men in the prison. There's a raw openness to each other and an openness to God Mm -hmm. and really an openness to themselves. I normally spend uh, two Saturdays a month. The full days with these men, and and uh, this last Saturday I, I was only able to do the morning bit. Uh, the, some confusion with the administration to allow me permission to get back in the afternoon, and I I, I about a forty minute drive up to the prison. Mm-hmm. I I was weeping on my way home because <laughs> I haven't well because of Easter and I, my family took a vacation. I haven't seen these guys in a month, and they are my my holy place. I just love being with them. They have helped me. um, There's always that cliche, you know, teachers and you go on short-term mission trips or whatever you say, well, I'm always getting a lot more than I'm giving. (laughs) And it's true. It really is. Like they are, they're changing my life.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. Give us just a brief description of the training program. I mean, obviously this is so much more than that, but, but this is a pretty intense work you're doing with them. Yes. Actually, a lot of
1: people are shocked that I am reading some really intense things in a prison with these men but it's an intense place (laughs) (laughs) it's an intense part of their life so what we're doing in study and in practice is commensurate really with the culture that we're going into so um their game is what i want to say they're hungry they um, they want to go there with us. So um, to give a little background, um, so Joseph started doing group spiritual direction with a group of about 20. Uh, we'd have anywhere from 20 to really 40, depending on the week, that would show up. And what that basically means is that every Saturday, he would sit with them in silent prayer for mm-hmm. at least five to 10 minutes. And then he would read um, a passage from... A spiritual author, uh, a mystic, um, some uh, something to to open up uh, some vocabulary for the men, and then he would just invite them to respond as they were um, led. And so that, for a couple years, became this uh, greenhouse, this conservatory of growing, this contemplative space, this sacred conversation with them. And so it was really by seeing a, a certain group of men return to that regularly and grow up into that, that he discerned, my goodness, I think some of these men are gifted to lead this kind of a ministry. So then, um, yeah, last May, we finished up just over two years of of w- working with them. So then twice a month, we would come back mm-hmm. in the afternoon for a time with them. And that would be readings. Uh, we would read everything from, I, I mentioned the Cloud of Unknowing, I studied St. Francis, and uh, Clara of Assisi, Bonaventure, some Richard Rohr, James Martins. Uh, they loved uh, the Jesuit guide to almost everything. Um, <laughs> and so we would just, oh, uh, and a big dose of the Desert, desert Dwellers, mm-hmm. uh, of course. And we just kind of walk them through a couple months of each of these texts, and um, a lot of enneagram. We worked out of discovering your spiritual type, who are you, what's your vocation, and and then we did a lot of um, group more more intense group spiritual direction practices. A lot of peer one-on-one groups, listening prayers with each other, and um, yeah, <laughs> it was really this little laboratory, and and they led us i think as much as we led them in the sense that we could see what they were drawn towards and and just kind of keep reinforcing that so what i'm doing now actually is that was a survey really like a regular overview a quick let's cover lots of ground and then when we finished uh, joseph couldn't continue in the afternoons and i loved it so much that i just said hey we should just keep going with some of this. Um, we finished with 21 of those men and then about 12 or so are continuing with me in those afternoons. And we're going back through, uh, some of the materials together.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you tell me you guys spent like six months on one book? Oh, right, right.
1: Well, that's what, what I'm talking about right now. Um, you know, it's one thing for them to get a working vocabulary with, uh, contemplative prayer, um, the inner life, the inner journey, and all these authors, now we're going deep. So I I just started again with The Cloud of Annoying Mm -hmm. with them. We we started that in late August, and last week we would have been on Chapter 10. (laughs) And these are like two-page chapters. (laughs) So we're just really going at a a snail's pace on purpose to really – because at the beginning of that book, the author, the um unknown anonymous author says, you know, he basically says, if you're not ready, put this book down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's not something to rush. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, and I, it's been so much fun for me to listen to their questions
0: and join those questions with my questions. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're going slow with the text is not because their lack of ability. Oh, it, no. It's so you can just really live into it. Right. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Right, because my, my fundamental question with this group, we finished these two years, my, you know, going back to my history at, at the college level, is I am asking these men, what are you called to now? What is your vocation?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Vocation, you know, comes from vocare. This is the voice, the calling, God speaking your name. So what? And so we come back to that question in prayer exercises and some journaling exercises. Of, Um, who are you now as you're hearing God's voice? And, you know, um, a couple of the men live on wings of the prison with uh, disabled prisoners. Mm -hmm. Um, Kigali is one of my guys who is applied to work on the hospice wing. Mm. Uh, some of them are, are like porters where they push men in wheelchairs around. And then, you know, when you're out in the yard, are you talking with guys? Are you, sh- you're shooting hoops? Uh, you're actually, they just started their new gardening plots. You know, can you create holy sacred conversations in the mess hall? Mm. Uh, um, and so that's what I'm really giddy about as how this is becoming practiced in a real way right there inside of the prison. So,
0: Mm-hmm. I have some I mean I've done some work in prisons, and one of the things that I kind of walked away with in that is that if it works here, it'll work anywhere mm. I mean because there's you, you don't get away with <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that there's some truth that
1: I'll, I'll um I'll affirm that yeah, they have a radar for insincerity yeah and for um fluff. Mm-hmm. And hot air, and they don't—they don't want to mess around.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: On the other hand, I'll say that the the church I was working with for two years on a two year stint as the associate director for spiritual formation, I was actually thinking that I was—I would come back from the prison to this local church and think, well, I could do this with these incarcerated men. And honestly,
0: it's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, there's a hunger there that, that yeah. you didn't find in your local church.
1: Right. Yeah. One of the men I work with, his name's G, and it was a couple of winters ago, and it, we didn't know if we were going to be able to get inside or not because the weather was so bad here in West Michigan. And G said, man, you guys will come in here on a sleigh. Like, you'll do, you'll do anything to get inside of here, and all we're trying to do is to get out. <laughs> <laughs> and I try to, like... Let you like, there's this earnest playfulness that we have with them. We're trying to get out and you're trying to get in. And they keep asking us, why are you trying so hard to keep coming back to us? And I would say, Joseph and I and the other volunteers, it's because of that hunger and that openness. <laughs> and I, I loved my time in this local church. And I want to say loving things about the church throughout America. But as a spiritual director, as a pastor of formation, people are distracted, <laughs> and they're stuck. In their busyness. And without becoming cute about it, these men do have a kind of time. With all the brokenness of the incarceration system, mm-hmm. at least they have time to think and to open themselves up. And these men are self-selected. So, there's a lot of men in there that are broken that would never want to do this. But the men that keep coming back to us that we've been with for several years are deeply hungry. And I will do anything to hang out with them more. <laughs> <laughs> Ride right a sleigh there. <laughs> yeah, riding on, on a horse and sleigh, yeah.
0: There's something I really like about your hesitancy, to use the word ministry, yeah. and that this is a life-giving work for you but it is work yeah can you speak a little bit to that in terms of people's calling i mean obviously it's not about what's going to be life-giving to us but there's a certain respect you have for this work mm. that's really quite beautiful uh what what are some of your thoughts on that joseph
1: again i'll mention him he's taught me so much he thinks of ministry in a sense of minus minus tree you know <laughs> and uh i have an episode on the first conversation i did on my my podcast was with him and he explains this a little bit more um but you know when we go into the prison we have to take our shoes off and we have to pull our pockets <laughs> and sometimes the guards want to look in our mouths um we take our coats off and uh they pat us down and we have to take all of this this stuff off and and what I've tried to learn is to respect the guards, even if they're kind of being pushy or grumpy that day, mm-hmm. uh, because this is not Southwest Airlines. Like I, 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 have to, I have to become less when I'm going into the prison. Just like we're saying, these men, they have radars for insincerity. Um, and so that's that's what I'm having to do in the prison. And I think my, my time in campus ministry and then translating from campus ministry, and I would say as a college professor and then working in a local church, I don't think anybody really wants <laughs> anything but an un- honest mm-hmm. ache. And I'm a broken person. I think selfishly I can say it's a relief to be around these men who are open to their brokenness because then i can be a broken person too mm-hmm. and and so um so ministry as becoming less that's just really the fundamental sense of what jesus has called us to in the sense of that we give up everything we die mm-hmm. to ourselves over and over again and if that doesn't become a very um embedded part of my consciousness about how i interact with everyone um then I'm really not growing in my faith. Mm -hmm. And so the prison just becomes this wonderful discipline for me to come back to and be reminded of it again. You know, and um, uh, I'll say it like this this last Saturday morning, one of the men that I'm just now getting to know, Antonio, he likes to be called AX, uh, he was talking about watching a guard beat up one of the other prisoners. Mm -hmm. They, They mishandled. This man and, and AX at another point in his life would have gotten violent and retaliated. And I'm sitting here and these guys who I consider friend, it's not, I can't domesticate this. I'm like, Oh my Lord, Jesus, this is serious. So what that does in my spirit is I can't get violent. I can't try to be strong and powerful in the situation. Just like AX has to lay down and submit I'm joining him in the solidarity of my prayer life and my friendship and realizing I'm only here in this place because of the the work of the spirit, not because of the thing that I uh, ginned up or invented. I got to say, if you told me three years ago that I would be hanging out in a prison, uh, I would have been like, yeah, right. (laughs) I've got small children and my wife is busy. There's just no way that's going to happen. and. So this is
0: a total thing of, of Jesus. And so it's, I don't know if that's what you're asking. But. No, it's great. You mentioned these guys well, working with folks who are disabled or yeah. uh, on the basketball court. Do do some of them have kind of regular directees in formal settings? Not scent?
1: yet. You know, um, because of um, – at least with, with my friends, they have a, a deep respect for their elders. hmm and, uh, you know, I got to think that they, they're trying to hang on to as many conventions that they grew up with. And some of them are churched and some of them, there's a couple, there's a couple guys that are Muslim that come and try mm-hmm. to learn with us. Um, cause we're the only group that does not require you to specify your, um, faith orientation because we just want to talk about Jesus with whomever. And so, uh, especially latorius the, the Muslim, um, this this kind of respect for the elders. So there are three men that I work with, Gary, Baby Boy, and Carl, <laughs> who have been in the prison for over 40 years, longer than I've been alive. Mm. And so just by nature, they look up to these older men. There's kind of mentoring. There's some other um, programming. Uh, there's a program called Shakespeare Behind Bars, and then there's um, a couple other uh, programs that have some things like mentoring already built into it. Mm-hmm. So I think that direction is is then being utilized inherently within each of those other programs. But mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't heard any of them say, "Hey, like I've got a directee," and or, but I think they're doing that relationally anyway mm-hmm. um, through the conventions of
0: how prison life works. Mm-hmm. And I I sometimes think. I mean, spiritual direction is happening all the time, and yeah. and I sometimes think these non-informal spaces don't get the credit they deserve. Exactly. Um,
1: and that's really what I want to say. With with um, looks like I'm going to hopefully have some opportunities to train spiritual directors outside of the prison as well in the next couple of years. And I want to say that this is a ministry for the church and i already have two pastors that i've led on retreats that want to be directors and they're discerning i don't think i'm going to necessarily as they would say have two people in a candle in a room where we set up part an hour um session they just want to bring it naturally into the vocabulary of their shepherding and their local church and i think that's that's the main goal I would have for all all spiritual direction. Not many people are going to have a private practice, mm-hmm. and um, you've had Trevor Hudson. He's one of my instructors through Fuller right now, and he, he he would he would strongly advocate that you know this is just a normal part. So it happens that I'm having to learn how to do this because it's been the church has been bereft at this. I'm mm-hmm. having to learn learn how to do this in a very intense, uh, steep learning curve. <laughs> with these prisoners. so.
0: Hey, can I, can I shift gears just a little bit? Yeah. I mean, your work being there yeah. has, has taken you to some completely different places in terms of learning about issues of social justice related mm-hmm. to prisons. Could you talk a little bit about some of the things you're seeing and learning uh, in terms of, you know, how we incarcerate people in our country? Yes.
1: Thank you so much for asking that. Um, it's really hard for me to figure out how, how to, to talk about this because I don't have a history I want I want the folks that are listening to to understand that i'm I don't consider myself historically to be the social justice guy mm-hmm. I was the arts guy I am um, who figured out how to bring uh, the arts and worship together and running recording studios and so social justice was always somebody else in the church or at school or whatever um, but as I as I feel like I'm learning from these men, um, and no matter what your, your persuasion, politically, right or left, um, I would want to believe that the church is beginning to understand that we still have a, a, a struggle with race in our country.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's a very delicate topic. And I don't want to, to, you know, to paint with broad strokes, but to think about how we understand the other in the scriptures, we could talk about it as the the Samaritan, um, the person on the outside, and that could be the black person, or that could be the prisoner. Mm -hmm. When I get to know and love the person of Jesus more and more, I understand that he had a radical ache to reach those that couldn't be reached and that could be anyone, but especially in terms of, um, the race relations. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm relearning that the, our, our, what we could call our mass incarceration system is, it's kind of an incubator for a lot of the the racial dysfunctions in our Mm -hmm. country. The basic statistics would be like this. Um, The United States has roughly 12% of the world's population, but yet it possesses 25% of the world's prison population.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then if you look underneath the surface of that, 40% of those incarcerated individuals are black men.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who who make up, what, 10, 12% of our U.S. population?
1: Yeah, 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 10% of our – 12% of the world's population. So – inordinate size of those that are in prison are black men and so we have varying levels of discomfort on how to interact with the other and that has made its way into our legal system i'm convinced of and i and i hope people can take time to to look at this very very seriously so i'm reading a, a book by michelle alexander now called uh, the the new jim crow and um, what i'm eager to explore is the distance between prayer in the local church and then prayer in the prison. And just like when people in our neighborhoods and our churches get transformed, we become more like Jesus. We get freed up. When we bring Jesus very clearly into the prison, things are going to change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, Michelle Alexander, she, she paints this picture that uh, the end of slavery mm-hmm. and the civil rights movement in the sixties, all occurred when there was a groundswell of public consciousness about the injustice of slavery and of the injustice of of the way black people were still being limited through Jim Crow at that point. Mm -hmm. And most people just don't know, like, as I quoted those percentages about the incarceration, most people have no idea what is happening in our prisons. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so What is out of sight is out of mind and what's out of mind is out of heart and out of the sense that the local church can reach out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things I'm doing is working with Calvin college, hopefully in the future, and they have a five-year bachelor of arts degree program in Christian ministry in a prison (laughs) on the other side of Grand Rapids. And there's a church that's in partnership. So you have a Christian college and a church who are actively engaging you know it's great to go overseas it's great to to send money you know to to think about drilling wells in Africa but there are th- 30 prisons in the state of Michigan
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what could happen if we mobilize or inspire or encourage local churches to begin to access the prison populations right in their backyard mm-hmm. and um so that's what I'm excited about is connecting the dots and a lot of people would say, you know, Josh, you're trying to swallow too much training, spiritual directors, teaching college, you know, um, practicing direction and then getting the local church and the prison, you know, I think it's just the kingdom of God. And mm-hmm. I don't, it's not going to happen in a year. Um, I'm in this for the long haul and, um, I I just think that that holiness is holiness, justice is justice, and it's time to create uh, a conversation within the church so that we can begin to become familiar with how we are Mm hard-hearted to those uh, who are being um, mistreated.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's not to say that these men didn't commit crimes. Mm -hmm. It's the question of how we treat them when they get out Mm -hmm. and so... It really is like the modern day leper to be an ex-convict, mm-hmm. have trouble with voting rights, employment. They become the outcasts of our society. Mm-hmm. And if they've done their crime and they've they've done their 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 sentence, they've been punished. Okay, that's great. Now let's redeem them. Let's bring them back into into the health of our society and and our worshiping communities. Let's not continue to to look at them as the, the grotesque.
0: That's good. That's good. You know, one of the um and this this is worthy of a whole another conversation, but one sure. of the issues that really concerns me is the privatization of our prisons. Yeah. That we now have corporations that are uh, yeah. invested in people being incarcerated and it'll be interesting to see how those, you know, numbers go up as as time goes on. Um, one of the things I really like about what you're doing is, I mean, there's lots of good prison ministries, but I've I've been to enough of those services where mm-hmm. it's, you know, kind of trying to get everybody saved. and, But to kind of invest long term mm-hmm. with people on some deeper stuff, I just find just really beautiful. If someone's listening who would like to engage in some prison work, what would yeah. be a way they could uh, do such?
1: You know, I think the first step is... Exposure, mm-hmm. you know, I would say the same thing to people that are going on a mission trip anywhere. Um, the first step is just to open yourself to what is in front of you
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to go and behold and learn and to see, you know, find a way to to visit a prison. Anybody that can get you inside. And you don't necessarily even have to uh, respect and appreciate that that's the way you're going to always do ministry in a prison or outreach or friendship. Um, But just get get inside. This one uh, facility I mentioned has lots and lots of things going on because it has a great warden. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some prisons don't have very um, enthusiastic, creative wardens. So it's going to be hard to get in. So get in however you can (laughs) And, and then open your heart and then go back and just keep risking. And that's the crazy thing when we pray The Spirit slowly opens our heart to God's love. And as we open ourselves to others, it's slow. It's been a long time for me. You'll be surprised what can happen. It's just a matter of taking the first few steps of risking.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And then after you risk, open yourself to conversations with the Spirit and God, and then talk with other people and develop friendships and see where those things take you. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, really, a, a church group could call their local prison and say, how can we be of help? Exactly. Yep. There's all sorts of different. Yep. Um, levels of engagement. You'd I'll be look.
1: surprised if you look, if you dig a little bit.
0: Yep. 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 Um very good. Hey, talk a little bit about your um your podcast. Sure. And um yeah. pr- particularly the the retreats. Yeah. I just found these I mentioned to you so helpful. Um but if you could describe that to people.
1: Yeah. You know, I am just like everybody else, struggling to figure out how to to manage my engagement with social media and how to steward that. And I love uh, podcasts. There's been a resurgence with podcasts that have not a resurgence, a, a, a renaissance, really, a beginning of a lot of new resources out there. And since I am an artist and a writer, my wife's a poet and a writer, we're always looking for creative conversations. And so I'm digging into a podcast and the whole time I'm looking, you know, where are people talking about God and what's <laughs> happening with really, and there's lots of actually Christian resources in the podcast, but I just realized I was aching for something more. And um, being a recording engineer, I was thinking about the intimacy of a microphone and speech. And as a retreat leader and a spiritual director, I, was just trying to experiment with that. How can I guide people? And I did that mostly because I wanted it. And uh, i you know, honestly, I'll, uh, I'll admit I listen to my own podcast because I don't necessarily believe everything that I'm I'm putting in there uh, that I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. I do believe it, but I'm I'm still growing into that. So the idea is twenty or thirty minutes of Lexia Divina. Of, mm-hmm. Uh, we I, I repeat the uh, passage of scripture three times, and then offer some thoughts of how to access that scripture, and then I try to give some musical space um, for people to reflect. So yeah, it's a journey. I like to call them little mini retreats.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I mean I just found it so helpful the way you kind of set the stage with some questions and a little bit of teaching and then this generous space with it's beautifully scored. I mean, your music is Thank you. just phenomenal in it, but man, I, I found I've you know, those, the, the retreats you have, I found I listened to them multiple times. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm really
1: encouraged by, by your feedback, uh, especially from you um, because it's, you know, you and I were talking last time we hung out is you have this deep move in, of God in your life and you want to make this, available to the church but yet you don't want to like market it <laughs> and feel like you're advertising god so uh i want people to hear because you know, i i'm i'm experiencing new things with 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 jesus it's my testimony and, yeah. and and so this friendship with you and i guess you're gonna help out with the next
2: <laughs> yes
1: i'm excited
0: Yes. Yeah. And I'm happy to market it for you, Josh, (laughs) because I think it's so helpful. But yeah, we're going to, we're putting together a script and, and you'll put some music and, and then we'll, we'll see what we come up with. And maybe we'll, we'll sit down and talk again and then, and then run the retreat on this podcast for people. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Sound good?
1: Yeah, and I mean that really is so much fun because I'm a I'm a collaborator mm-hmm. creatively, and I've just been sitting in my office with a microphone, <laughs> and so I'm I'll drag my wife and How's this sound? So to be able to work with you and see what we can we can learn together, that sounds like like so much fun
0: yeah yeah i'm excited for it and, and in the meantime people can uh go to your website invitationpodcast.org and check out the retreats but then also the interviews and mm-hmm. and as you mentioned the interview with joseph mm-hmm. about your guys's work together in the prisons beautiful well thank you so much josh and thank and you. we'll we'll do this again once we have the retreat put together for people
1: yeah thank you
0: <laughs> yeah all right bye 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 well there you have it you can find out more information about Josh and his podcast at invitationpodcast.org. That's invitationpodcast.org. There you'll find some extended interviews he's done with people and these really helpful mini retreats. I just love those. Uh, oh, also he has an upcoming interview where he interviewed me. I'd like to give a special thanks to our editor and tech extraordinaire, musician Brian Morrican. The music in this podcast is from a song he did titled Be Kind. It's become, oh, it's a very special song for the ministry team at Renovare. Have a great week.